By the way, you want to know where you want to know where the name of the podcast comes from? This is it. Oh. Well, I've had a piece of chicken. I've had a little drink. I've looked at all the girls, given one or two a wink. I'm sitting in my seat, radio to my ear. Star Spangled Banner and the crowd's opening cheer. I've been waiting since last Saturday. See another one beat. Friends, it's time once again to let the big dog eat. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time. So when my son was like four, he would walk around, Daddy, going, Daddy, when's it time to let the big dog eat? <laughs> I was like, Charlie, that's just, you're my favorite kid right now. You need to know that. I, I like that uh, for this week we are breaking out the big guns. Yeah, well, you know, you can't rush into these things. And now you know how we came up with the name. That was Let the Big Dog Eat by Clisby Clark, made famous from the Bulldog Boogie soundtrack, which you can still find on Amazon.com. Hello, Georgia Bulldog and college football fans. My name is Scott Duvall, and welcome to the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. You've had it marked on your calendars for quite some time now. It's finally here. The eighth-ranked Crimson Tide of Alabama rolls into Sanford Stadium this Saturday afternoon for a 3.30 kickoff on CBS. In this episode, Tony, Will, and I break down the matchup, state our hopes and dreams for the outcome of this game, and discuss what a win for Georgia might mean as the season progresses. But just as we begin to settle in on a good feeling about the dogs' chances of taking down Saban and company on Saturday, one of us picks the tide to beat Georgia. Who's the culprit? Stay tuned to find out. We also spend some time giving our picks on some other big games around the country. Does Clemson stand a chance against Notre Dame and Death Valley as the Irish make their first trip to Clemson since 1977? Two of the most disappointed fan bases in college football square off up in Knoxville as embattled coaches face off as Arkansas limps into Tennessee. And another West versus East key SEC matchup happens in Gainesville as Ole Miss and their vaunted Landshark defense seek to keep their perfect record going against the surprisingly undefeated Gators. Should be a fun week of games, which makes for an equally fun podcast episode. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the fun with us. With the new schedule the way that it is, this is the last one until, assuming they don't change the schedule. Yeah, my son right now is nine years old. My oldest son will mm-hmm. be able to drink bourbon with us by the next time Alabama rolls into town. <clears throat> oh, rolls into town. Yeah, yeah, we don't go there until 21. Is that right? I don't know, but they come back here <clears throat> in 2027. 2027. Okay. Wow. How old will you be in 2027? Old. Old. You will get discounts at the I movie theater. I will absolutely be eating the early bird buffet. Yeah. I will be 51 years old. Then I will be several years older than 51. Yeah. Holy cow. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know what? Now that I know this, I'm not going to the game Saturday. Yeah. I mean, you just put it off. I'll just What's hold it off till then. I want to be built up for it for, uh, for in 2027. I mean, like, it's possible you guys could play like Yale before 2027. Like, it's very strange. Like, like you pick another school that's outside of the SEC – you are equally, if not more likely, to play them well, before 2027. Well, and if, if you're ever going to be a Georgia fan, you got to stay on narrative. We don't travel outside the footprint. You don't read. You don't read news news articles. I don't think Georgia's going anywhere. I'm talking about coming here. <laughs> oh well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that would be kind of cool, actually. Yeah, 
play Yale in 29, the 100th anniversary of Sanford Stadium? Since I've been here, this is my third year of living in Athens. Yes. Uh, LSU, by far, has been the biggest... This has been the biggest game. It's been the biggest team oh, yeah. to come in. Yeah. Oh, I want to ask two questions for you guys. One, fan base-wise, how will this be different, bigger or better? And two, game-wise, just... Aside, like one side culture, one side quality of the game. In the three years that I've been here, is this the biggest visitor to the Georgia's campus culture-wise, and this the, is this the biggest game they've played at Sanford since I've been here in the last three years? I'll hand. I tell you what. Let me let me answer the 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 culture-wise game from Georgia's culture. Absolutely, this is a. I mean, every game is a, a must-win under the playoff scenario now, right? Although you have room to mess up. And this is a game where Georgia can lose and still obtain everything they want to obtain. Whereas Um, Alabama cannot. Alabama's out. But to beat Alabama, and whether we want to pretend otherwise or not, is a huge, huge deal. I mean, they are the undisputed class Mm -hmm. program of the last seven, Nick Saban era at least, uh, seven years uh, in college football. And everybody wants Bama. You know, I wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me in the least to see you know Barcelona put signs right. up. I want. We want Bama. I mean, just <laughs> right, seriously. Right, right. I mean, that's how important it is from a from a big game perspective. Absolutely. I mean, and to me, this is bigger than the LSU game. One of my one of my good friends, uh, Will Haraway, who does the music for my podcast and is a big Cardinals fan like me, and also a Mississippi guy. He, when he's tried to make me feel better, I always feel very guilty when people don't like the Cardinals. I want to like defend them, and, and I hate and I hate the idea of turning heel, uh, <laughs> as uh, people always kind of want me to do. But he's brought up. He's like, "Well, you don't understand. I root for Mississippi. I never get to be Alabama. The Cardinals are as close as I'm ever going to get to being an Alabama fan. That kind of idea of the team that everybody hates, the team that wins all the time, the team that everyone's shooting for in a lot of ways. It's still I mean, I put Alabama in college football ahead where the Cardinals are in baseball in that regard. But certainly the team that everybody wants, even if you beat I think think about it this way. If Alabama is be, let's say something everything goes wrong for Alabama and everything falls apart and in 6 years they're a 7 and 5 team and you got a shoelace charge yeah the, yeah the, the yeah something something Dennis bad happens, era. it will still mean something to beat Alabama I think that's right I mean we saw that when we went to uh, Alabama in 2002 or 2003 it was 2002 with the Billy Bennett field goal, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that that meant something. Going yeah. to Tuscaloosa and beating Alabama. And of course, at the time we were only in the second year of the Mark Richt era and every win, I mean, the year before we had toted goalpost up Lumpkin yeah. for beating Tennessee. I mean, how absurd does that sound now? <laughs> but, you know, I think Alabama is the one program yeah. and they have they have more SEC chi- uh, championships than every other SEC program. They have more national titles than than um, those are debatable. Probably, well, that's true. Then probably what four programs in the nation, uh, maybe five. Right. Or, but more importantly, they have been the the gold star measuring stick for every college football program, uh, particularly since Saban got there in the last seven years. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know what was interesting was on the um, on al dot com today. I was reading the article and they did a pretty good job. Oh, I love that. I posted to, to the blog today. I love that article. The The title of the article is Inside the Night Alabama Football Blacked Out Georgia and Announced Its Return. And the, as I read this article, of course, you know, it brought back these horrible memories. And boy, those jerseys do look good, um, especially at night as you scroll through the pictures they included. But 
I'll move on from that because we're not going to black this out yeah. because that would just be bad, bad idea. I mean, they look normal. good except for all of their own blood yeah. on them. Yeah. <laughs> but the interesting part about it was that the tenor of this article was the fact that this is what brought Bama back because the previous year was, remember, 2000 Saban? Yeah. Instead of two, yeah. And they had gone like six and seven. They'd lost to UL Monroe. They were seven and five and were Independence Bowl champions. Right. And so they had had a, you know, a shaky start for the 08 season. And I had forgotten, we had, Georgia was a preseason number one that year in 2008. We had no Sean. We had Matthew Stafford. And we had played Georgia Southern. Mm-hmm. And we had slipped in the polls from one to two to three. And right. we were ranked three by the time right. Alabama rolled into town. And throughout this article, they talk about how that was the jumping off point to all of their latest national champions and all their glory uh, over the late 2000s and into the past couple of years. And I found that fascinating. And I was like, you know what? They're kind of right. Oh, they're absolutely right. And I don't want to make too big a deal about this because you want it just to be one game. But there are a lot of parallels between 2008 Alabama and 2015 Georgia. A young team, a fair amount of talent, poised to be in a position to do something really interesting. I mean, you could make the argument that we have a new coach, a new coaching staff with Mark Richt. Even with Mark Richt here, you can make that argument. You know, they're all saying all the right things. They're thinking all the things. But it's, I've been saying it. This team feels different than every team I've felt with. I've, I've, been, I've been a fan of Georgia for a long time. This team feels different, and you know it could be hubris, and I'm I'm okay with that if if I'm proved to be wrong. But this team feels different, and it feels different because they're just going about their job. We don't have a lot of stupid penalties. We don't have a lot of nonsensical errors, error errors, and we keep seeing and we keep like almost people are rooting for Georgia to have that Georgia game, and a lot of people have circled this game. A lot of people circled the Tennessee game, but the fact of the matter is is that we're playing at home we're favored and we'll talk about Bill Conley's advanced uh, metrics in a few minutes, but everything, but the, the winning percentages were actually better than Alabama, even in the, even in the S S and P plus. Now, does that mean we can play a sloppy game and look like we did against, frankly, the first two drives against mm-hmm. Southern? Frankly, we did most of the first half against Vanderbilt and beat Alabama. No, I, I did. I, I talked to the guys at Roll Bama Roll Blog last night for their podcast, and we discussed what it would take for each team to win. And we we all agree that the team that plays the the cleanest game and this one's going to win. And they said, "Yeah, we lost to Ole Miss, but if you think about what five happened, turnovers. five turnovers. Ole Miss. They now Alabama ran a hundred plays, yeah. which is cr- a crazy number of plays." But when you get the ball back because you've given your yeah. opponent fields of 26, 17, and 32 yards, not to mention the very first play at the start of the third quarter was a miracle three-bouncer into the hands of Abajabi that he ran in for a touchdown, um, you know, that's, you're going to get a lot of plays in because you're giving away a lot of time of possession there. You know, and it's not just five turnovers in that game. It's the ball bouncing weird. Yeah, it's, well, this, it's this thing going here. And so on one hand – you know that game looked closer than it was score wise. It was thirty to ten in the fourth quarter, and it, it's not like Mississippi and Alabama both played clean games and the better team won. Here's my question about this game: If the, both these teams play clean, yes. If there's a low turnover, low penalty, just everyone executes to the top of their abilities, who's actually the better team and who wins? I mean, I think the stats back up claiming Georgia because I mean Lambert 
is 75% completion rate right now. Coker is 55%. And that's taking into consideration how pedestrian he looked in the first half of Vanderbilt and really UL Monroe. I mean, that's a testament to, to him. And then if you think about it, okay, so he's the starter. Ramsey comes in. He's throwing it 75% completion rate. Then you look at uh, Chubb and Michelle compared to Derrick Henry and Kenyon Drake. Well, you could mitigate the yards and everything, but if you look at the yards per carry, Chubb's got an 8.4 clip and Sony Michelle has a 7. It's, it's almost like you get so immune to it that you can't even respect, and I mean this in the best way, the 6.3 average that Henry has and the 5.8 average that Kenyon Drake has. So I think to answer your question, Will, if it's a clean game, the stats don't lie. And, you know, being at home, I say Georgia takes it. You know, I wonder if, if no offense to Chubb and Michelle here, I wonder if they've got those numbers if they're running against Mississippi or if they're as opposed to running against, you know, I mean, like it's worth knowing that like that's not a one-to-one ratio. Uh, and that's a, that's a fair point. Or if they're running against Alabama. <laughs> right. I think that's a fair point. The thing I think I would say for that, if both teams play their best right. game, because um, by the way, not both teams are going to play this. Right? No, I think that's. I right. think this game's going to turn a turnover. I'm, this this is not even so much I, a prediction I, as much as it is if everyone plays clean and it's just talent against talent. I, who I, wins? I don't honestly think the last team of the ball. I mean, I think yeah. it really is that simple. Yeah. You probably could say that Alabama's defense is better. They're certainly more experienced, and the front is better than Georgia's front, even with our linebacker crew. Um, I think it's easy to say defensive back-wise, it's a push, or Georgia might be even better. Offensive line, I think our offensive line is better than theirs. I think skill positions, particularly running back, it's a push. I even say in that with with Chubb yeah. and Michelle, Henry and Kenyon Drake are both really good running backs. They get uh, Bo Scarborough back out from his – knee injury slash NCAA amateurism <laughs> issues. I think, honestly, I think you guys 1099 straightened out. I think that's what happened. But the... I think like that 1099 yeah. knee scope. So, but right, the 1099 <laughs> knee scope. I, well, he did, he, did, he did blow a knee out. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Quarterback-wise, I think we're ahead. Receiver-wise, I think it's a push, although I'm tending to say Georgia's ahead. Special team-wise, I think it's a push and Georgia's a little bit ahead on the kicking game. Now... Special teams wise, I think is a key, Georgia. I, I so think far. I think that's right. I think yeah. that's right. If we can limit the amount of foibles we have punting the ball and covering kickoffs, we significantly increase our chances to win. Look, you look at the you look at Bo Conley's stats. Georgia is is ahead of Alabama in explosive plays defensively. We're ahead of Alabama on explosive plays offensively. We score more points inside the 40, and we prevent more points inside the 40. Um, those are like three of the major factors in his five factors. Now, part of that's the competition. I will not deny it's part of this competition because Alabama has played a tougher schedule. And, and they're going to continue because they're, they're in the West. They're in the West. That's <laughs> right. But when you sit down and look at the Jimmys and Joes, and then you also look at – the job coaching we have seen this season, um, I don't think it's unfair to say that it wouldn't surprise me to see Pruitt outcoach Kathleen Kiffin. It would surprise me to see Brian Schottenheimer outcoach Kirby. Kirby and and Saban, although I think it can be a push. Um, and then so it really does come down to which team is better prepared mentally to play this game. And for the first time in a while, I don't have a concern about George sleepwalking into this game. I just don't. If there's a game not to sleep in, we'll sleepwalk into. Well, I don't. I don't think we'll sleepwalk. I mean, if you read the article, the AL.com article, Georgia had a couple of bad breaks. I mean, the very first drive, we we had a turnover, and it got called back for some crazy. I mean, it's an interception, right? Some crazy rough in the passer that was like 
really a nitpicky. I mean, you know, it was rough in the passer, but it was the kind of rough in the passer you see six times a game and they decide to pull the flag out one time. Well, it was a key moment. Now, having said that, that doesn't change the fact that, uh, that Alabama absolutely came in here in 2008, had better talent. That was a Julio Jones. They had Mark Ingram. They had um, it was John Parker Wilson was the quarterback. I mean, like three guys off that offensive line, Terrence Cody. Uh, I mean, they absolutely were better, better talent-wise. And this was the team that had Mark Stafford, uh, Matt Stafford and Sean Marino. Uh, and AJ Green. Green Everybody and, thought Georgia was more talented, right? But they and, didn't turn out to be. Well, they didn't turn out to be, and and we absolutely were worse coached. And frankly, we didn't have nearly the depth they had, and that that told a lot. That told us a lot in 09, 2010. Would and I was going to bring that up to you a minute ago. After looking at the rosters and kind of reading up on this, and it kind of struck me, Georgia has more depth <clears throat> than Alabama this year. I mean, if you look at the stat sheet. And just the receivers that have caught passes, I think we've had 15 receivers that have caught a ball this year. Yeah, they've had, what, seven, eight? Of course, Malcolm Mitchell stands above the rest, but you know Reggie Davis is coming on. I mean, I really like um, the new tight end, number 88. What's his name? Jackson Harris. Jackson Harris. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's from Columbia, Tennessee, home of, uh, home of Sterling Marlin. Um, <laughs> so Jackson Harris. Esoteric NASCAR fact of the day, sponsored by <laughs> So, So my question to you is, do we have more depth? Well, I think we do. At the receiver position, uh, question. we, we oh, do. Just, just we do all, but I have, mean, think about how many freshmen we've played already. Uh, yeah, and I think part of that's been intentional. Mark Rick has said no one gets a red chart. I mean, we've – I think of our 29 signees, the Crowder, uh, who is running back, maybe one other running back who is like an out-of-the-blue running back, and then four offensive line signees, Allen. Um, I can't remember the other three. Those are the only freshmen that haven't played. And those guys, in absent a bunch of injuries, will not play. So we pretty much have maxed out our – We'll play list at 76 or 77, 78 guys. The thing about it, and this is something I've really thought about last night before I read the quotes from you, Monroe, uh, on defense, is that we're faster than Alabama. We just are. They are bigger than we are, and they play a, a little different style. I mean, Saban and Kirby, they really do like the Belichick, give me a nose guard that can occupy two gaps by playing one-gap technique. You know, they have that. They don't have a Terrence Cody, but they have that. You know, the leading tackler is one of their uh, one of their defensive linemen, um, which is a very different thing than than our right. leading tacklers because our Pruitt's defense is wholly predicated on the on the linemen taking up blockers, right. and occupying blockers, letting the linebackers do their job. Um, well, you know, and I'm sorry to cut you up, but the other the other interesting thing is if you go back to that 08 game, uh, Jeremy Pruitt and Kevin Shearer. Yeah. And Jim McElwain and Mark, were on the other and side. And Mark Hokey. Oh, yeah, the strength. Yeah, strength and conditioning coach. Yeah, yeah. Now, the, Just advanced scouting for this game. Yeah, that's right, advanced scouting. <laughs> Agent, Agent Pruitt. The point I was about to make is that Georgia has opportunity to do things on offense that I don't think Alabama is it can quite do. They're going to be able to bounce guys outside. Edge has always been a, has been a problem for Alabama this season, not always this season. Edge rushers, and we absolutely have that in Sony Michelle. The other thing is that they are susceptible to the scene pass in the same way we are. Well, if it comes down between Grayson Lambert, who we've seen can can make that throw fairly regularly and make the reads fairly regularly and throw a pop, a, you know, pop pass or an ISO pass or you know, check out of a into a, a quick zone read option. Jacob Coker hasn't shown the ability to do that yet. And that's what really hurt them against Mississippi is when they had to go and throw the ball. Coker really wasn't up to that challenge. 
And whatever your questions are about Lambert, yeah, like maybe he, like I listen. We've seen some good stuff about him. We still yeah. don't know. He's yeah. not been tested the way that Coker has been t- right. tested. Right, but Coker was tested and arguably failed. Like yeah. they needed Coker yeah. to make plays there yeah. that he was unable to. And he's, make. He, I mean, he looked flustered doing it. He yes. threw what two interceptions. Right. And listen, maybe Lambert. Like is, I've been the biggest Lambert skeptic yeah. here, but like maybe he can make those throws, and maybe he can't, or maybe he can step up in a way. But Coker was unable to do that at the time that they desperately need him, arguably more desperately than they will need him this time yeah. to be able to make yeah. that play. And Georgia's offense and Mississippi's defense actually looks a lot alike, yeah. and especially in the schemes we run. And what we try to do with our linebackers, we don't have two uh, Kim Dichies, which you know that they're, they're both game changers, and you say what you want, but they're both game changers. And Denzel's turning out, especially defensively, to be even a bigger deal than Robert. Um, so you know, you look at what we want to do uh, defensively against Alabama. You know, it's really going to start and start and end with. Being able to contain Henry and Kenyon Drake with our offensive line and stunting while making Jacob Coker really nervous about what he's going to do when he anytime he drops back to pass. And that that is something even other than those few moments in Vanderbilt and maybe a couple moments in the Louisiana Royal game. Lambert, since the, regardless of like obviously he's been accurate. Obviously we've seen him throw the the, yeah. the, the deep ball at least a couple of times, but more than anything, he's looked. Comfortable, yeah. He's looked comfortable yeah. in a way. He's looked comfortable and he's looked decisive, yeah. In a way that, frankly, Coker did not look like him. Yeah. To be fair, it was one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I'm not sure anyone would have been decisive at that time of night. I've made some of my worst decisions at that time of night. But yeah. never. And it was and was in Tuscaloosa, so <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, if I, I the number of bad decisions we make. Look, well, you've you've seen a lot of these things, and you're uh, you're probably far more objective about this than Scott and I can possibly be. What do you see? I see – to me, I, that's why I keep harking back to the quarterback is that like to, the one thing that I've – listen, we can say that, that Georgia hasn't been tested. And they haven't been tested the way that Alabama has been sure. tested. But Alabama failed that test. <laughs> and that's the thing is like on one hand you want to say, okay, those five turnovers, uh, some of them were flukes. Some of that, that – the ball at the beginning of the second half was definitely a weird play that certainly you can't give Mississippi credit for that other than just being in the right place at the right time. But – those weird things that happen like that, they happen out of – they don't just happen from the sky. They happen for, out of context yeah. and they happen out of opportunity. And so for me, the real question is the thing that we don't really know about this Georgia team. And frankly, if they – think about – imagine if they were playing – if the crossover game this year was Mississippi State rather than Alabama. And Mississippi State is playing here this year. You could, I could argue that we would never find this out about Georgia because if you look at the East right now – all of a sudden, at Auburn, doesn't look scary anymore. No. At Tennessee, doesn't look scary anymore. Yeah. Uh, home unless against they, Missouri. Unless they end the game at halftime. Yeah, home, Missouri, <laughs> yeah. home against Missouri doesn't look scary anymore. Right. At, at Georgia Tech, doesn't look as scary yeah. anymore. Like, all of these games that just two weeks ago we thought were really scary, now, all of a sudden, this opens up a little bit, which to me speaks to, no matter what, our, we've had this overarching point whenever we've talked about this game, this idea of Georgia can lose – and still do everything they want to do this season. Yes, absolutely. And Alabama cannot. If there's one thing that makes me nervous about this game, it is this notion that, not that Georgia is not going to be fired up to play this game, obviously going to be ready to play this game, but Alabama, there will be a wounded dog aspect to them at this game. Yeah, and I I actually said this earlier today somewhere that uh, backed in the corner of Saban is the scariest Saban. But having said that, you know, here's one thing that I keep coming back to, and we've talked about this a lot on this podcast, is Mark Richt is all in. 
this is not going to be a leave anything out on the table game. Everything that we've wanted to see out of Georgia's offense, for example, that we haven't seen yet, we're going to see. Yeah. We're going to see, and we haven't seen it by design. We haven't seen it by design. Right. We're going to see downfield passing. It's going to happen. It wouldn't surprise me in the least if we run, you know, some sort of crazy diamond pistol pattern where we have, <laughs> you know, I mean, well, yeah, right. I mean, you have Chubb, you have Chubb set behind on <laughs> yeah. uh, Lambert, you have Michelle on one side, and you have Douglas or Hicks or Blazevich or Mitchell or Isaiah McKenzie beside him. And basically what you're doing is you're making Alabama's defense decide, oh, oh crap, what are we doing here? And then you run a double wheel route, one to each side. And you you can't defend that, especially when you got Blazevich going up the middle too. I mean, that's that's really – I mean, those are the sorts of things that I think we'll see. It's you worth know. knowing we're going to learn a lot about Schottenheimer from this game too. Yeah, I think we will. And you know, somebody else made the point that the Alabama has struggled most mightily with – with with true option teams, I guess the read option teams, and Georgia's running that now. Now, we do not have a read option running quarterback in the vein of Cam Newton or Tim Tebow or um, even Nick Marshall. Um, certainly not near Jeremy Johnson. But the I think we also have other ways to incorporate that into our offensive game plan that can leverage the strengths we have. It wouldn't surprise me to see us come out and run a wildcat somewhere, even letting – Chubb run or or Michelle run the pass play that we saw Todd Gurley running against Vanderbilt last year. Can either one of them throw? Do we know? I mean, that's a legitimate question. Well, and also I thought about this. You know, think How about, about Marshall. Well, yeah, <laughs> why not Marshall? Uh, why not Marshall? Um, <laughs> right. You know, you bring you bring up a good point. One of the thing I thought about is like we're going to see a fake punt out of Georgia this game, and we absolutely put Ramsey in to punt just just to show people he can punt the ball. <laughs> So to see if they're paying attention, because it wouldn't surprise me at least to see us run out Ramsey or time or two if we had to punt. And then one of those times, especially if we get, you know, we're punting from 45 or 50. But um, wouldn't that telegraph it? That's the point. Not if but he punts. Not if he oh. punts. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Not if he punts. I see where you're going. But, I mean, yeah. if you think about that, you know, basically what, what teams should do when they think there's going to be a fake is you just basically run your regular defense out and you put in a kick safety, right? And you you just defend like they're going to – if they punt it, they punt it, great. And that's what happens. You can absolutely flip the field if you do that, especially if you only got one re- one return guy and he's down there by himself on an island. So – and that, You know, this brings up another question. I'm, I'm fascinated by this is – because a lot of times, listen, your average team that runs a lot of trick plays <clears throat> is usually a team. Tennessee. Yeah. It's usually a team that is worried about their talent. Yeah. Like te- it, Texas Christian, yeah, they, uh, the old school Florida State before they started recruiting really well certain, in the exactly, 90s. There's certain things that you need to make up a difference with. Right. And you use trick plays to do right. it. This would seem to go in the face of that a little bit if we think Georgia can match up even Alabama for talent. Honestly, is that a game where we see trick stuff out of Saban? Is well, this a way, I think we're going to see it the other direction. Yeah, and I think we could. The other reason you run trick plays is that because you know they'll work and they'll get they'll, it'll help you achieve your goal. Yeah, and the other team is not expecting it. And they're not expecting right. it. Now, to see yeah. wild and crazy Ricked, I think, is something that Saban probably would not be expecting. Yeah, no. He could he could literally grow a goatee in the most, yeah. on the sideline. You think Lambert is primed for that hidden ball trick that David Green and Aaron Murray ran so well, or is that just death? Um, you know, I don't know. I, I've been looking for that. I've been looking to see him, how he handles the play action. He hasn't sold it in the same way, certainly, yeah. that Greeny did. It's like his he, arms are too long. Yeah, so, yeah I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of yeah. hard to hide it when, you know, he, yeah. I mean, he can't, I mean. He's a big, he's Look, a really he can't be Matthew McConaughey with his right, little right. arms if you're like this. Right. If, if, if he's, he can't T-Rex it. He right. can't T-Rex it, right? Because he has these, these nine foot long arms. Yeah. But 
Again, it wouldn't surprise me in the least, especially if we think it's there early, if we do some sort of um, thing where he just basically puts his back to the line like Tom Brady does and then you know turn around and, and just basically survey the field. And even if the play then is – you know, you're going to, if you don't see somebody open deep, you just throw it as far as you can because we saw he can throw the ball 60 yards. And, and, you know, if that play, even that play develops slow, he's not going to throw an arm punt. He'll just throw it, he'll throw it deep away from everybody. The thing that worries me about that play is, and I didn't even think about it until right now, but I remember one year, I think it was Aaron Murray, completely backfired because you oh, turn yeah. your back and then you're smoked. <clears throat> he was getting it, swallowed. Yeah. I mean, if an, if an end sniffs it out, yeah. and that could be a fumble, that could be a 15-yard sack. Well, and I do want to talk a little bit about the end sniffing out. One thing that Georgia has been extremely susceptible to, and I don't know if it's by design or whatever, um, when they – when teams line up defensively with they basically double stack the left side of the defensive line. So against our right side, there have been a couple times where uh, Vandy did it to us, South Carolina did it to us, where they were able to get to our running back pretty quickly. I have to think that they're seeing this on film because it it did cause when we went back and rewatched the South Carolina game, there were a couple times where Chubb or Michelle got grabbed basically by the ankles, but got grabbed really quickly by. A guy really doing nothing more than stunning from the end. Um, And Alabama surely will take advantage of that if we give it to them. Is there an argument, too, that, you know, if there's one thing Alabama's defense, like they're built to stop, they may not be able to stop Nick Chubb. Yeah. But they're built to stop guys like Nick Chubb. Yeah. And that's, I don't expect Nick Chubb to break open 20 yard runs up the middle. I mean, that's, that is unrealistic. As good as our offensive line is, it is unrealistic for us to expect a lot of great runs up the middle like we've seen so far this season. Can it happen? Sure. I mean, we did it last year against some actually some pretty decent front teams. I mean, even Florida, we got a, we had a couple of decent runs up the middle. But Brian Schottenheimer also, I think, is going to look at that and will oftentimes use the opportunity to show that. And some sort of play action or some sort of even, you know, quick zone, uh, you know, bump it out to the outside or even a, a counter tray to even neutralize those those guys stunning from the side. But even then you're talking about edge rushing, edge rushing because Alabama gets up a lot of yards edge rushing. Yeah, yeah. Which makes me think this is – we're going to see a lot of Michelle in this game. Yeah, I think oh, we will. Yeah. And Michelle – I mean, the, the role by my role guys absolutely think Sony Michelle is the key to Georgia's victory yeah, in this game. Yeah. I think you, you Scott, have, have called him like a Percy Harvin type yeah. player. And – you know, I think it's a little early to make that comparison, but you're right. I mean, he is our second leading rusher, second leading receiver. He gets 12 targets and goes for 125 all-purpose yards. That's a long night for Alabama. A lot of David Palmer. Right? No, I think that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a great analogy. I mean, you know, if he seriously, if he 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 gets targeted 12 times, he gets eight, 10 rushes, uh, catches three or four passes, and has 125 all-purpose or, or more yards. That that means Alabama somewhere has not done a great job of containing him the way they want to. So what are we missing? I mean, we've talked about George's offense versus Alabama's defense. We've talked about potential trick plays in there. We've touched on special teams. I feel like, though, there's something else that we're, we haven't touched on that could be or could play huge in this game. Do you, is there anything yeah, that comes to mind? Yeah, they're leading receivers. They're tight end. And the seam pass, our issues with seam passes to tight ends uh, scares the crap out of me. I'll be honest about OJ that. O.J. Howard. O.J. Howard. And they um, – Southern scored their touchdown because they were able to do that three or four times, which softened up our run defense. UL Monroe scored their last touchdown by doing the same thing. They basically just they basically just you know split our zone and and left Gainus, Floyd or Jenkins, whoever was left to pick up the tight end and man to man situations. And 
frankly, they weren't up to the challenge. A lot of those plays in Vanderbilt did the same thing with their last scoring drive. You know, I have to think Lane Kiffin sees that. Now, we actually haven't talked about Lane Kiffin yet. Uh, yeah, he hasn't really come up. Uh, because Joey, well, he's taking that Illinois job. So. Well, he is taking the Illinois and the Miami job. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I think Joey Freshwater's taking the Miami yeah. job. The thing about it is that I've been expecting Lane Kiffin to Lane Kiffin this thing. At some point, he's going to. He's going to go against his everything that Nick Saban has told him, and he's going to try to do something funky like he did at Southern Cal, like he did at Tennessee. If there's it, a time he would do it. It would be against it, Georgia. because, And it would be after a loss. Oh, yes. It'd be when he's starting yes. to feel pressure yeah. a little bit. Now, to be fair, he had a fantastic game plan when he was the coach at Tennessee for Georgia. He just did. Now, granted, the guys that were running the defense there who obviously could not, under any circumstances, coach their players how to deal with play-action passes uh, are now coaching at Tennessee, <laughs> which is, if you think about it, is actually irony nice on touch. the highest order. It's a nice touch. It's actually, if you think about it, it's like two of the biggest – off-season punchlines for the past two years, offensive coordinators Lane Kiffin at Alabama in 14 and Brian Schottenheimer at Georgia in 15. And Kiffin acquitted himself very well last year. And it looks like Schottenheimer is doing a great job of that so far this season. So I just find it a little interesting that basically two, two names that get a lot of fun made of are going to be on the opposite sidelines this week. And then you basically have two uh, Saban protégés as defensive coordinators. Yeah. Let me get a couple of these uh, little stats or points mm-hmm. in. Kickers. They got Adam Griffith. He's three of seven on field goals. I know that Bama, it's almost touching on Florida State ineffectiveness on kicking field goals over the past two or three years. It seems like it's always been a bugaboo. Of course, the the kick six against Auburn a couple of years ago. But with Griffith being three of seven, it doesn't really scare you. Although, from my perspective, it always seems like in Sanford Stadium, when kickers from opposing teams come in there, they're lights out. Uh, it just never yeah, fails. Yeah, I remember my first game was the, the David Treadwell 54-yarder or whatever, Clemson, Georgia, in 86. So, yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Well, you know, Morgan's only four of six on field goals this year. Yeah. Huh? So, um, I feel like he's got a winner in him, though. Oh, God. He needs something. I, I feel like he's got one in him. Maybe not this week. Oh, Maybe col- not today. The collective miasma if it, if Marshall Morgan lines up to kick a game winner. It's just there is there is no amount Those of, are the guys that kick it, though. Those are the guys when no one thinks they're going to do yeah, it. Yeah, I guess that's right. I guess that's right. Another thing that frightens me a little bit is I was looking through the stats, and I was just seeing if anything popped out. And, you know, Georgia's ranked a couple spots ahead of Alabama in total offense, and Alabama's ranked a couple spots ahead of Georgia on total defense. But – UGA is 99th in the nation on third down efficiency, and that. But Alabama's 87th. I didn't. I didn't catch Alabama. Yeah, Alabama's I just, 87th. I was strictly searching UGA. You know who has faced the fewest number of third downs in the nation this season? I'm going to guess Georgia. Georgia, 31. Okay, well, I feel better. That's crazy. Now, here's the thing: we're going to face far more against yeah, Alabama yeah. than we have all that season. That number's about to go up. Yeah, that number's about to go up. <laughs> I mean, that's a it's kind of a throwaway stat because it's game to game. You know, third down efficiency: either you're hot or not. Well, and the, one of the things that really stood out to me in looking at Alabama, we have to throw the ball against Alabama in third down. They've given up two first downs on third down run with teams running the ball against 16 opportunities. And that's across, I mean, they've given, you know, like seven of those are rushing plays. They've given up one third down running the ball. Passing the ball is still not great defensively, but it's far better than than running the ball. Last thing I wanted to touch on, and it's been mentioned in the papers and on other sports talk and podcasts that I've heard, but Bama is an underdog for the first time in 72 games. That could change if, depending on how the money goes. Yeah, what's the line right now? 
It's you remember? Uh, about one and a half. I yeah, thought it actually had no, moved, it's toward, moved. Oh, it moved to Georgia. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, here we go. Has. The win <clears throat> race and sports book in Las Vegas opened with UGA as a one and a half point favorite. And then win executive director, John Avello said that he took three $2,000 limit bets on UGA, which pushed the line up to minus two and a half for Georgia. I have to say, I would have expected that's not a lot of money. I was going to say, I would have expected it would have been more money than that. Yeah. It's like, like, I mean, 6,000 bucks moved at a point. That means there's only still early. Yeah, in what, $100,000 yeah. yeah. in the game? Which it doesn't, like, yeah. it seems like a lot more than $100,000 would be on that game. Yeah. And then the last time that Bama was an underdog, it was the 2009 SEC title game, and they ended up winning it straight up, which made Tim Tebow cry. Mm-hmm. Hold on, let's just enjoy that moment for a minute. <laughs> What doesn't? The tide. (laughs) (laughs) And during that 72-game streak where Alabama was favored, the tide went 62-10 and straight up. But they were 36-35-1 against the spread. If it does hold up that Georgia is the favorite for the game and Alabama loses that streak of 72 games in a row where they're favored, can you guess the next team up with 28 straight Favorites, the longest active streak being favored at 28 games is who, Tony, in college football, if Alabama loses that? I'm going to have to say we are, Georgia. It'd just be a guess. No. 28 straight games being the favorite in a game. Illinois. No. No. Northwestern? Go a little bit further east. Ohio State? More east. Rutgers? (laughs) It's Marshall. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Clearly, I was running out of schools when I, when I went to Rutgers. Yeah, Rutgers. You couldn't go any further east. That went over like a lead balloon. All right, so you want to get to our picks for the game? Are you ready? Um, Can we do our picks last? Because I'm really, okay. really not ready to put that. Let's do our – let's do our okay. – let's run down our, our – um, Our games. Our fun, fun office pools. Fun yeah, and, office and pools. Remember, that closes – I think they're all Saturday games, so that will close at noon this week. Uh, I saw that UGA Carey is still leading. That's amazing. Uh, she is in uh, well, fuego. To segue off that, before we get into the picks while I'm pulling them up, UGA Carey, after four weeks, has a 40-11 and 11 record. That's really impressive. That is very impressive. And she has a total of 294 points. Equal. And undefeated, undefeated in being mentioned in this podcast. Uh, undefeated. And, and I think I mentioned on this past episode, our uh, Southern University postgame wrap-up, I said at the end of the podcast that I had to mention her name because, yes, I am superstitious. And oh, so far, well, yeah. so good. Yeah. But her 40-11 and 11 record is equaled in record by Dog James Dog, uh-huh. who also has a 40 and 11 record, and he has 290 points. Amongst the three of us, we'll start with me. I'm ranked 59th with a 36 and 15 record and 255 points, which lands me right in the middle of the two of y'all. On the low end is Will, ranked 90. Really? Yep, ranked 99th. I had a rough week. I know. He has a 30 and 21 record, which is... Consequently, the same record that my two sons have, 30 and 21. Yeah, but your kids have a system. Yeah, yes, but 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 I am totally taller. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then amongst the three of us, this is pretty respectable. Tony and your matrix, the the thing the matrix that you said you had, you are ranked 42nd with a 34 and 17 record and 261 points. So I'm only six points behind you. Yeah, that. there's still a lot of spread out there to you made up. I, I had a decent week, uh, far better than I did two weeks ago. But I also picked a couple of the big upsets. I, I picked Oregon. I mean, Utah to beat Oregon. Um, and then 
What was the other? It was another big one I picked. Um, I don't remember now. Okay. Well, you ready? Let's do it. All right. So we have Iowa. 4-0 Iowa. Wow. Mm-hmm. I, that's surprising. At 3-1 and Wisconsin. And for information only, Wisconsin's favored by about a touchdown. But we're just picking winners. Now. Yeah, we're, we're just, just picking, picking winners. winners. Yeah. I'm, I'm taking Wisconsin and Camp Randall. I'm also taking Wisconsin. Wisconsin shut out Hawaii last week, so I'll take Wisconsin as well. And plus, it's Kirk Ferentz. Doesn't he lose games like this? Well, not this season yet. He will. Yeah. Uh, South Carolina at Missouri. This is the Battle of the Columbia's. I even think they have a trophy that they've made up for that, which is kind of sad. But um, Missouri's favored in this game. I, I don't know what to do with this game. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> this could equal the... <laughs> The three to two Auburn Mississippi State game. Honestly, um, I'm going to pick Missouri because they're at home, but I really don't have feel real confident on that. Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm actually going to go with Missouri as well. But man, that says that I'm picking that pick more because of South Carolina than I am because of Missouri. Yeah, I think it says something about both of them. That, yeah, that yeah. you're like oh, I don't know. Yeah, the like, fact let's go with the home yeah, team. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> as bad as Missouri's looked over the past couple weeks, I think South Carolina, even though they beat. Hey, this is Scott. Little post production cleanup. Uh, one, we had some technical difficulties when I was about to give my pick between South Carolina and Missouri. And also, since the recording of our podcast, news has broken that Missouri's starting quarterback, Matty Mock, has been suspended for the game. So, Will and Tony were not aware of that when this podcast recording took place. I'm going to say that maybe they changed their picks to Missouri, but I can't be for certain on that. As for me, I'm still going to stick with Missouri because they're playing at home and because South Carolina has had such a tough year so far. So that's that. Thanks for letting me break in. And now back to the podcast. I'm going to try to get Steve Spurrier on the phone again if he (laughs) does end up losing to Missouri. See if I can talk to him. I'm going to skip the Alabama-Georgia game right now. We're going to move that to the end. Okay, out to the Pac-12. Arizona is probably really smarting after their defeat to UCLA, and they go to Stanford. This is kind of weird also, and basically it's a pick game. I'm going to pick Stanford. I, I think they just they look a little better offensively uh, than they did against Northwestern. You know, I hate to say this around Will being closed in the room with him, but Northwestern's actually looking pretty good right now. Yeah. Um, they, so, they just are. So's Indiana, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that brief moment where everyone was trying to get Indiana. To, uh, yeah, it was Indiana. so. It was just precious. I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm married to an Indiana girl, and she was like, "Game day is surely not going to Bloomington." I like the idea of it just because of Corso, like like his Corso yeah. the Indiana guy. Yeah. I understood yeah. the the concept behind. Yeah. That. I mean, of course, I was you know he's getting older. I, he you, is getting older. You, you can see something like that, but it's probably for the best they didn't. Uh, I'm also picking Stanford. I'm sad to say. Northwestern, though they did not look great against Ball State this week. I feel obliged to be on them no matter what. Yeah. But uh, Stanford clearly looks a lot better than they did in that game. In fact, they almost kind of look like that game snapped them to attention a little bit. Yeah, I think so. And uh, and I think they'll win this. Have you noticed that Stanford got rid of the S and now has the outline of the tree in its emblem on its helmet? I did not notice that. It's pretty cool. I did notice they introduced a female um, tree mascot. Tragically like an escapee from the Quizno Pickle Bar. Do, do trees have <laughs> genders? I guess I am not an entomologist. Wait a minute. A botanist. Botanist. Uh, botanist. Whatever. So y'all both have Stanford? Yes. Yes. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't really care. You're so going with Arizona gonna, because of yeah. Scooby Ride, aren't you? There you go. Ruby, Ruby, Ruby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Nebraska. Oh, wow. Whoa. Let me. <clears throat> and now, kicking off at. Oh, this military time gets me. Is that 2.30? Take, take two, two, 2 away from the hour. And 12 minus 15. That's 3.30. Subtract okay. 12. Kicking off at 3.30, I assume, on the Big Ten Network? Uh, I believe I believe that is a Big Ten Network. That has Big Ten Network written all over it. <laughs> Nebraska storms into Memorial Coliseum. No, Memorial Stadium. Stadium. Sorry. One of like the 15 Memorial Stadiums in yes. college football. Right. Yes. To take on Will Leach's Fighting Illini. Illinois is 3-1. and one. They put a whooping, not really, on Middle Tennessee State last week. and A potent offensively. Nebraska mm-hmm. is favored by a touchdown. Yeah, I, of course, was at that game in Champaign. This is actually the first game in Champaign I've been to since I moved to Athens. Okay. It is a different environment than Athens. It's probably a fair thing to say. They have a, sure. ni- they've, they've, they have a nice little uh, new area called Grange Grove, where people can, where they they have like a little tailgate area that's very nice. Is that there just like, south, uh, just to the? It's like, by the, it's by the great south of the stadium. Okay, yeah, yeah it's okay. By the great statue. It's very nice. Uh, it's it's west of the stadium. And west. It's yeah. very nice. It is a very nice. It's actually a very wonderful experience. It's where the Intermural Fields day. used to be. What's that? Where the Intermural Fields used to be. The yes. hockey where the hockey rink goes up. That's the other side. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the other, side. The other west. But um, no, it's it's very it's a, it was a beautiful day. Unlike here, it was gorgeous in Illinois. A perfect day for football. Uh, Illinois played. They were the better better team. I know that's not something I should brag about. They played at home against Middle Tennessee State, but they were in fact the better team and probably should have won by more. If Illinois is ever going to pick off Nebraska, it is going to be this week. Nebraska is feeling very shaky right now. It's funny because since this game has been on the schedule, this is the first time Nebraska has played at Champaign since they've been in the Big Ten. Okay. So everyone's been kind of waiting for Nebraska, mm-hmm. who kind of famously brings all of their fans yeah. to take over. Same, they famously did it at Notre Dame. One of the, yes. great, the great overhead pictures is of Notre Dame Stadium, entirely red, full of Nebraska fans. Apparently, that's not expected to happen as much this time. Apparently, you've seen Nebraska traveling not as well as they used to. To their detriment, Champaign is not considered one of the more desirable How locations far is- to go to. It's it's a long way to everything way. from Lincoln. Yeah, well, Lincoln is Lincoln is practically west. I mean, it's I mean, ten, solid ten hours yeah, at least, yeah, right? It's it's a long way. So, I mean, not that it's ever stopped Nebraska from fans from going yeah, someplace no, before. Sure. To me, this is a tighter game. Seven and a half points, frankly, strikes me as too much in this game. It's a big spread. I'm not picking Illinois to win. But I'm tempted. I'm picking Nebraska, but in the in your confidence pool, I will have this lower than most people do. You know what? I'm going to pick Illinois. Yeah. I think Wes Lund's finally going to have the game everyone's been expecting him to have since he came to Champaign. I hope you got inoculated for Wes Lund last week, but uh, yeah, exactly. you know he uh, stop scratching. He did not look. He didn't look sharp, although he looked serviceable. And I think we saw in Nebraska against BYU is they can. They can be beat through the air, and I think that's going to happen this week. I'm going to go with Illinois. I'm going to stay on that train, even though oh. it blew up in my face a couple of weeks ago when I when I backed them. North Carolina. Yeah. Oh, wow. I, lo- I love that I'm the only person that picked against Illinois. Well, that's probably a good thing. Yeah. You know, I, think, it's, yeah. It's I like, swayed you guys poorly in the, in the North Carolina game, no question. <laughs> Yesterday when I was picking the NFL games with my kids and my dad, I picked the Cowboys because not that I really wanted the Cowboys to win, but it was almost like a security pick. You know, right. Of course – that's why I'm wearing my Falcon hat tonight, my old yes. school Falcon logo, because the new Falcon logo is just awful. And I hope they change it in 2017 when they move into their new stadium. Anyway, three and zero Falcons against three and zero Falcons, three and zero Arizona Cardinals. There's a lot of wins. Oh, the Cardinals look extremely good. Blue doors, yes. <sighs> yeah, very very pleasant. We're, we're Moving on, lots of suffering. North Carolina at 
Georgia at SAD and grumpy Paul Johnson, Georgia Tech. And Georgia Tech's favored. Let me tell you why I put this game in there. Um, I, I like putting Georgia Tech in our pools anyway because we play them every season. And, you know, clearly there's a lot of folks from Atlanta that are uh, that participate in these things. But I also put it in there because the one thing North Carolina did really well against South Carolina is stop the run. And you've actually seen the past two weeks with Georgia Tech, the key to beating them is making them, strangely, making them rely on the run. <laughs> You know, Thomas hasn't been great with making decisions. Having said that, I just think Georgia Tech's going to break out their funk a little bit and they're going to beat North Carolina. I am also thinking Georgia Tech. I feel like this – it's funny. It was just two weeks ago what we were talking about how yeah, everything's they, setting they, up for Georgia Tech. Atlanta, Atlanta could be the like – Everything's the, setting up and yeah. then it didn't turn out not to be the case. Wah, wah. I've picked Georgia Tech the past two weeks. And, in fact, I've got a friend of mine who is a big Notre Dame fan. And the week leading up to it, I was – tweeting him saying like, Hey man, I'm not trying to dog you or throw you. What is your term? Shade. I'm not yeah, trying to throw shade. It's not <laughs> my term. It's internet's term. Right. Right. Um, but I was saying y'all got to look out for this offense. It is churning. And of course, I mean, I should have realized they were playing Alcorn state and Tulane. I don't know where I'm going with this, but I'm going to pick <laughs> North Carolina. <laughs> okay. Moving on a four o'clock kickoff. That's kind of a weird start. No telling what station this will be on. Kansas State and their suspended band director. Saucy. Google that. At Oklahoma State, who, by the way, had some of the most puke-worthy helmets last week against Texas. They should have lost the game based on that awful cowpoke on the side of their helmet. Anyway, Oklahoma State is at home. They are undefeated, ranked number 20th, and they are favored by 8.5 points over Kansas State. I think this is easy. I think Oklahoma State wins. Yeah, I think the Cowboys win. Yes, agreed. Kansas, this is not a particularly talented Kansas State team. And we just spent two and a half minutes on Kansas State, Oklahoma, and I'm embarrassed by it. You spent on their helmets. Yeah, I do. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I pay attention to that kind of thing. <laughs> really? This is news to me. <laughs> the You could call this the T. Martin-Clint-Sterner game. Arkansas is at Tennessee. Arkansas, man. I mean, doesn't by rule one of these teams have to win? Is this a meteor game? No, this is... No, this is a... Yeah. Seriously, which coach is going to for out? Cra- no. Okay, just check. Under no circumstances. I mean, like, anytime Tennessee loses it, I think an angel gets their wings. Um, <laughs> so, you know, and I love Brett Bulimia. Bulimia. <laughs> Brett Bulimia. Oh, he does not have that problem. Brett that's Bulimia. A, that's a Freudian slip. How has order? that not <laughs> happened in the general lexicon already? <laughs> Brett Bulimia. So, Brett Bulimia. Uh, I'm going to, by the way, it's going to be called Brett Bulimia from now on. Um, you know, the the funny part about w- what has happened with that team is that he actually got the game he needed to get out of his team to beat te- Texas A&M yeah. this week, right? They they played fairly, fairly proficiently in the passing game. They shut down a fairly good offense for basically 49 minutes. And I would expect Arkansas to go into Tennessee and win this game. For no other reason than Butch Jones is going to Butch Jones this thing. I, I, he's just his his intractability about what happened at the end of that game, where anybody that's ever coached football with an extra point go for two. You go for two when you're only up by twelve in the fourth quarter. You go for two. It's not. It's just not even debate. And the fact that he's like, well, we've got the charts, and we thought the. I mean. I don't like Clay Travis very much, but he just burnt him to the ground today on Feinbaum and on his his article. He laid out a lot of very good, salient, objective points of how 
which messed us up, and he's right about all of them. Uh, someone must have fed him to him. Yeah, we're not Clay Travis fans here, so uh, you know he's this isn't he's a fellow former Deadspin editor. Well, so, as know. but I don't want to be a mean girl. I don't want to be a mean girl to Clay Travis. I'm picking Tennessee. Actually, I still feel like there's enough talent. Uh, I, like you know, I oh, talent wise, yeah. Tennessee wins this yeah. game. I just think that you can't keep Butch Davis and Davis up every week. I feel like this is the week. I have to say though, you wonder if they lose this game, what. The mindset is coming into that Georgia game next week. I mean, is going to look is wheels fall off. Yeah. Period. It feels that way. It does. Yeah. I'm gonna go with Arkansas also. I have nothing else to say on it. Seven o'clock kickoff. Georgia Southern. Oh, it's our good friends Louisiana Monroe, who are the common opponent between <clears throat> Georgia and Alabama. Louisiana Monroe is one and two. Georgia Southern has been very good since their opening shutout loss to West Virginia. Uh Georgia Southern is not favored. No, they are favored on the road at Louisiana Monroe. Tony, you know when I first saw that Yale y- Monroe was playing Southern, right? of course I knew they wouldn't because they're both in the Sun Belt. I thought, man, this is a fairly interesting game because you know Yale Monroe is playing Georgia and Alabama, and then Georgia Southern's coming up here. Here's the thing about Yale Monroe has played better opponents than Georgia Southern has. Georgia Southern, other than the West Virginia game, is has not ventured out of the Sun Belt. I'm going to pick Yale Monroe, despite the fact that I'd like to see Georgia Southern win the game. Uh, I just think UL Monroe is more seasoned at this point in the season. It's worth knowing that UL Monroe has actually played better teams than Georgia has actually so far. <laughs> if you really kind of take a step back from it, um, I mean they played Georgia. <laughs> that was about that. That like threw me into some kind of weird confusion. Hold on, I feel like I feel like that cartoon. Where, I feel like a cartoon where Hobbs gets explains something, lays awake at night. It's like what? I don't understand. They have. Uh, I mean, Calvin. Not I'm taking Georgia Southern. I'm, I think Georgia Southern is going to sweep through, and I have one or, or two losses when they play Georgia. It will be add an extra little. Tweak of intrigue into that. Game. Could it be a Georgia, Georgia Southern, both teams ranked? That would be crazy. That would be fun. That would be awesome. That would be fun. That would be awesome. But Louisiana Monroe has been playing low level football in the FBS longer than Georgia Southern has been playing low level football. So I'm going to pick Louisiana Monroe. Is that cool with you? I'm cool. Okay. I'm angry. <laughs> I mean, not like Pat Fitzgerald was in the room, but yeah. The Tim. Go Cats. <laughs> Go Cats. <laughs> That's fine. That's my Fitzgerald impersonation. Hopefully he enjoys it. Go Cokes! Will is so on fire. You, you know what? You get all the Coke Zero next week. All the Coke Zero. <laughs> I haven't been drinking this time. i got an early flight tomorrow, so I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. <laughs> the last time that Ole Miss jumped down to the swamp, was that the Tim Tebow build a statue, uh, quote him, and put it in iron game when he lost, and then he made that passionate speech? I don't know. I think that game was on the road. I they, think the, was okay. it in, was that in the swamp? It doesn't matter. Anyway, yeah. It doesn't anyway, matter. Mississippi's playing at Florida. Yeah, and I've got a hot stat. Throw it. Throw it as put I it mentioned, on. Us. I mentioned earlier how UGA is ranked 99th in the nation in third down efficiency. The team ranked 100 in the nation in third down efficiency is Florida. Yeah, that doesn't mean anything really. No, but the reason why I'm picking Florida in this game is that on fourth down efficiency, Florida not only leads the nation, they're 10 for 10. They should just take knees. <laughs> they should take knees the first three downs. I think Let's I think get it to the fourth down. To. However, so many more of the plays will happen on first through third down, so I'm going to pick Ole Miss. <laughs> it's a stretch. but I'm going to pick know, Ole Miss. I kind of like that stat, so I'm going to take Florida. If, if they have to, if they do that and go to a running clock and, like, everything's fourth down now, you get one play. Yeah, if it's, like, intramural softball, you start out at two yeah. and one, two and uh, three. If a, if a storm is count. bearing down on them or, like, the helmet – 
Yeah. It's going to all of all will be lost if the game is not completed in the next 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah. I do like Florida. I think Mississippi is going to wipe the floor of them. I like that Florida is going to have, I think there's going to, there's going to be a brief moment where it's good. Uh, at the end of the year, we're going to find it hilarious that Florida was ever ranked. Ooh. That's what I think. It's I don't think it's going to be a brief moment. I think it's going to be a many, many week long and off season moment. Yeah. You, you have anything to say to Jim McElwain? I always enjoy you speaking about him. <laughs> um, you know, I was, uh, I was waiting for him to say something really funny. And he's like, well, we're not supposed to lose Tennessee, are we? Which I thought was just like the perfect way to, yeah. to rub it in Tennessee. Totally I mean, I told people, people yeah. were like, you don't want Tennessee to win this game. No, I'm mad that Keep one team going. has to win, Keep but I am always excited to see either one of those teams lose, yeah. which is why I don't, I don't look at the Tennessee Florida game as like a meteor game. It's a perfect opportunity. One of these teams is going to lose and usually in heartbreaking fashion. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. It happened again. <laughs> Here's Tony's favorite defensive team, Vanderbilt, <laughs> traveling to Middle Tennessee State. Maybe Will could speak on this because uh, he saw the Blue Raiders. They are the Blue Raiders, right? They are the Blue Raiders. Yes. No telling what kind of dumb helmet Vanderbilt's going to pull out this week. I commented on Twitter last week how Vanderbilt chose to go with the Matt White anchor down helmet. And I think the reason why they lost that game was because Mississippi is really bringing back those powder blue helmets from yesteryear. Or, or Mississippi's a better team. I mean, one of those two things. Though, uh, to be fair, athletes really do get fired up about the uniforms. I do, too. They do. No, they do. They, they get do. really, like... I mean, they, not, the, not the way Scott does. What's but. that famous video where Indiana got the new uniforms and oh, they, yeah, like, and lost just like, their minds? They tore down the, they tore down the <laughs> locker room. Have you seen that? Did you see what Indiana wore last week? Why would their I, helmet? Why would I see that? They had the best-looking script helmet last week where it was Indiana in cursive, like, leveled. On the helmet with a little bit oh, like of uh, Michigan their, flair on the front. They used to have jerseys like that back yeah. in the 60s, but it, right? But it was yeah. very Basketball. well done. It kind of took me by surprise. Yeah. By the way, the worst helmet I saw last week was Memphis. They The impersonation Cincinnati Bengals type striped helmet. Yeah. I didn't like that. I will say this. I find it amazing. I'm, I can't believe we live in a world where I don't care how much Vanderbilt has struggled. or And they are an underdog uh-huh. at Middle Tennessee State. Yeah. Vanderbilt, listen, they're not as bad as they were last year. They're no, not. That defense no. is pretty good. The defense is solid. I, listen, I like. I actually. And Il- I know that game was close last week. Illinois was a better team, start to finish. Mm-hmm. They made a couple mistakes mm-hmm. in that game. Vanderbilt, Illinois, Vanderbilt defense is a lot better than Illinois is. I, I would. They're, they're going to shove Vanderbilt Tennessee State down. I actually feel pretty confident Vanderbilt's going to win this game. Yeah, I think Vanderbilt wins this game too. Vanderbilt's offense is still a hot mess, but they. Uh, I think defensively, they're going to do enough to keep. The Blue Raiders, that offense, which is, has scored a lot of points, uh, stymied. And, you know, I, I don't think there's anything else to say about it. I think Vanderbilt is a, is a better team and will win. I like Coach Derek Mason, or and I like the receiver. He the receiver, too. Fantasy team, yeah. uh, when he played. But uh, I saw a bunch of shots on camera of him, and he was just getting after his players. He was coaching them up. Yeah. He's a defensive guy. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think their defense looks really good. I mean, I was texting my dad, like, Hey, put it on channel sixteen oh six. Vanderbilt's tied with Ole Miss in yeah. the third quarter, so I'll also pick Vanderbilt. Mississippi State, the they've played the most late late games in the nation so far. I think they started their season with a ten o'clock kickoff, but they play they kick off at seven thirty at Texas A and M. Texas A and M has a beautiful new stadium. It's the home of Dude Perfect. You know, who Dude Dude Perfect is not personally. Never mind. My kids watch it all the time. Uh, they do trick shots. But uh, Mississippi oh, State, yeah. they're ranked 21st. A&M's ranked 14th. I mean, this is a – what? This will be ESPN, probably Brad Nessler 
No, this Todd looks Black like an Lynch. SEC SEC network. Game. SEC network game. Yeah, it's probably an SEC. Oh, game. so it's Brent it's Musburger and Jesse yeah. Palmer. Uh, yeah, probably is the. I would Lightning think it's the SEC yeah. night game. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, regardless, it's, it's it's a great game. You know, I really want to pick Mississippi State. Uh, my problem is, is I just don't think they have quite enough defensively to to slow A and M down. I think A and M is going to be able to do enough. This feels actually like the A and M Arizona State game where. Basically, you think, okay, can one guy beat Texas A&M? And I just don't think Dak. I don't think Dak Dak Shepard. Yes, the actor uh, is going to beat Dax uh, Prescott. Is going to beat. I don't think he's going to be able to do it. It's going to be a good game. Mississippi State's going to play them really, really tough. But I think A&M wins. I also think A&M wins. I think that. I think I find it kind of weird the Mississippi State's ranked. I mean, basically, their the, their win is Auburn. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, and they did they did play LSU really tough on the road. Yeah, I guess. And Auburn didn't. Well, Auburn yeah. hasn't played anybody tough. So I, I'm I'm picking Texas A&M pretty handily in this one. I'm going to go with A&M as well. Notre Dame at Clemson. ESPN game day is going to be there just about 83 miles up the road. I mean, this is the first time Notre Dame has visited Death Valley since <laughs> 1977 when Joe Montana was quarterbacking him. Did they win that game back in 1970? Did I say 97? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. 1977. Joe who, Montana. I have not. no idea who won that game. I think Notre Dame did. Let's say they did. Oh, we'll say they okay. did. Uh, don't look at the internet. Shut off the internet and do not find out for sure. People. Or Just Scott can edit us. it. Actually, Scott will edit it. Right. Just trust us. Like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Notre Dame was ranked six. Clemson's 12. There's going to be a lot of hype with David Pollock and – I don't even know who's on the set now. Desmond Howard, who? Wasn't Tebow back now? Tebow will be He's here. He's SEC Nation. Oh, right, yeah. right, 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 right. Sam Ponder's quite fetching. Uh, yeah, I'm, I, I would I, I would think so. Samantha Ponder, Christian Ponder's wife, who? Yeah. Never mind. I'm familiar with his work. <laughs> he doesn't do much of it, but he gets paid well to yes, do nothing. Yes, he does. I'm going to go eeny, meeny. This is tough. <laughs> this is the sort of paint the, paint the picture for Scott, by the way. He is literally moving the mouse pointer back and forth <laughs> any, many, money mo. I'm going to go with Clemson. I know more Clemson fans. I'm, I don't know as many Notre Dame fans. So since I hope that my friends are happy with this, I'm going to pick Clemson. I would have stuck with any, many, money mo there, I think, for, uh, for reasoning wise. <laughs> I got to tell you, I'm loving the way Notre Dame looks right now. Like, regardless, with all the injuries, they are they keep they kind of have that feel of a team that's got something figured out. I know people are excited about Clemson. This feels like a what we used to call this a Clemsoning back in the Clemsoning. day. This feels like a Clemsoning to me. I'm picking Notre Dame. In this Except game. for Notre Dame is uh, favored, right? By one and a half. You can't tell. Yeah, it's not actually a Clemson. It's not actually a Clemson. I'm one of the lazy people that just calls Clemson losses Clemsonings. Yeah. Even though they're not actually that's, that, I think that's right. You know, I'm going to use Scott's analysis. Um, I don't like Clemson's jerseys at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Notre Dame has one of the most iconic looks, even when they try to do their they Shamrock series. They have, oh, and Notre Dame's a better team. I pick Notre Dame. Clemson might wear purple. That makes it worse. It does make it yeah. worse. I'm surprised that they still run down the hill. You would think that guys would be tearing ACLs and twisting ankles all the time. I mean, do they put some kind of special surface? It's a, it's a specially engineered hill. It's an engineering school. They're hill people. They're used to running down hills. We'll leave it at that. Now, to the big game, the reason why we've sat here for an hour and 15 minutes talking, Alabama is ranked 13th. Wow, they dropped last week after a win, after a shutout win. They were 12. Now they're 13. At Georgia. Who also dropped in the coaches' poll. <laughs> we did. Yeah. Georgia is ranked. This is the first time we've, we've talked about it already. Alabama's not favored. 
And what do you got? And I'm going to start off because I'm going to be the bad guy. Okay. Uh, be the bad guy. Ooh. I'm going to be the bad guy. I have to say, I promise. Oh. <laughs> it's okay. You're going to talk about jerseys in a minute anyway. So I will. I promise that if Grayson Lambert wins this game, I am done with it. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it yet. I think it's fair, Will. I do. Like that it, To beat a team like Alabama <clears throat> with them geared up the way they are, particularly a team that stops specific – like their whole defensive game plan is to stop guys like Nick Chubb. We talked about this earlier. Right. To me, that is the concern. Lambert has been great, no question, the last couple of weeks. <clears throat> These have not also been particularly – like we're really excited about him playing great against South Carolina, a team that is – Pretty bad. Yeah, they're And dicey. not only pretty bad, but <clears throat> kind of packed that in after a certain level, uh, after a certain point in that game. This is going to come down to can he – if he plays like he did in South Carolina, Georgia wins this game. I, I wouldn't say handily, but I think comfortably. Yeah. That is – I'm not sure he's going to. If I see it this week, I have faith in the man. But I have to say this week – Alabama, I keep coming back to this idea that we talked about. Georgia is oh, not okay. It's obviously going to be frustrating as fans. It's going to be really, it's going to hurt to have Alabama make their one trip here every eight or nine years or in the next 12 years yeah. and lose it. But Georgia can still win the SEC East, probably still will win the SEC East if they lose this game and may well get another chance at Alabama if they lose this. The idea of Alabama losing two games before October 4th is I'm just not willing to go all the way with it. I'm picking Alabama. I hear everything you're saying, Will, and I don't disagree with you that Grayson Lambert still has to be in a position to show he can lead Georgia to a victory when his options, basically the team is on his shoulders. And all of us have thought this is the game that's going to happen, right? I think all of us, if we, if we were really honest about it, we would have thought this is a game where we are going to have to have Grayson Lambert stamp up and show show that the, the the trust that Mark Richt and Brian Schottenheimer put in him by naming him starter and sticking with him even when he wasn't playing great uh, at UL Monroe against UL Monroe even was was playing great against Vanderbilt. Um, here's the thing that that makes me think we're going to win this game is that I basically think everything is a push with the exception of our offensive line versus their defensive line where I think they have a, a little bit of an advantage which hurts our run game, and quarterback play. I don't think Jacob Coker's that guy either, and we've talked about that. Right. You know, I don't think Georgia's defense is substantively worse than Ole Miss's defense. I think it's better than Wisconsin's defense. Um, I think our offense is better than Wisconsin's offense. And, and you know, maybe yeah. not much, but still I think they're better. I think Georgia's going to win this game. I think it's going to be one of those classic CBS, SEC games that goes right down to the wire. 17 14, 21 17, 24 20. Um, you know, or it could be, I mean, conceivably it could be a 39 35 or something no. like that. I'm not so sure about but, that, though. This, yeah, yeah I, I feel like this is a lower score game. Than no, I, th- I think that's why I think 17 yeah. 14, 21, you know, 21 17 very well could be the final co- outcome. And I think, I think Georgia's going to win it. We're at home. I, I've seen everything that I could have asked for if I would have said, 
Coach Rick, these are the 17 things we need to be uh, in order to be the program that you say you want us to be. And we're, we're seeing it this year. Are we a year away? It's possible, but I think we win this week. Here's, the, here's to me the major question. If Georgia's down 17-13, mm-hmm. 20-16. Mm-hmm. Need a touchdown to win it. Minute and a half left. Two timeouts. Sure. Can Grayson Lambert win that game? If he can win that game, I think Georgia might win the national championship. Yeah, and I think, you know, <laughs> I think the funny thing is is that everyone would have had the same question about Aaron Murray going into the SEC championship game. He didn't win that game, but he came he came just about as close as anybody could have against easily the best team in the nation. And that was yeah. that was a de facto semifinal game. Right, it just right. was. It was. So. It was. It was um, you could argue it was a de facto championship, championship game. Championship game, <laughs> right? Everything else was an exhibition. I, I think Grayson Lambert can. I, I mean, certainly no, we'll get more than four plays off like Tennessee did. Uh, and that's, yes, that was absolutely an opportunity to get some snark in against Tennessee. That's, <laughs> that's all the plays they ran, by the way, against Florida in the last minute. Well, the half. only way they scored was on trick plays. Right. Um, that was the way to get some facts in some facts, about Tennessee. Facts about Tennessee. <laughs> um, I think I can. I think Grayson Lambert can. I mean, I believe okay. in him. And I, clearly, I believe in a way that you don't. And that's yeah. fine. Yeah. I, mean, I think it's something that's, that we've talked about a lot. Yeah. But yeah. I do. I'm going to be a nervous wreck if it comes to that, but I think we can win it. Scott? Will picks Alabama. Tony is worried he's going to be a nervous wreck. Listen to me. (laughs) Scott is the voice of reason, everyone. He's calm. I am perfectly confident. This game will look close on the scoreboard, but it won't be that close. So it's like 08. Exactly. In fact, I'll go ahead and pick the same score as 08. 41 to 30. Wow. Georgia wins. Alabama gets a late touchdown to bring it up to 30 from what would that be? 23. Yeah. You know, so it's not going to be that close. And you're worried if Grayson Lambert or 24, can, if you're Butch Jones, see, I can yeah. keep doing it. Yeah. See, here we go. And you're worried if Grayson Lambert can win this game. He's not going to have to, because it's going to be the Sony Michelle Dominic Sanders game. And the reason why I say that Sony Michelle with his versatility on being able to pop it outside on a run, or have a little Champ Bailey-esque tunnel screen, jet sweep, what have you. And then on the opposite side, I'll let you take one guess because I already gave it away. Who is third in the nation in total interception return yards? And that's Dominic Sanders, Tucker High School's own Dominic Sanders. And he and Jacob Coker's already shown that he is prone to interceptions. He's thrown four this year. And so I think Dominic Sanders and that secondary – is going to be able to shut down anything that Jacob Coker is going to want to do, which will then make them one-dimensional. Even though Derrick Henry's a load, we'll be able to take care of him with our big guys in the middle and Leonard Floyd on the outside kind of freelancing. So my prediction is Georgia 41-30. to 30. Enjoy your tailgate. Enjoy the game. Live it up. They are not going to be wearing black jerseys. They're going to save that for Missouri or Kentucky, if which whichever one of those is night. Maybe Georgia Southern, if that's a night game. Everything's going to be red. It's going to be nice and traditional against two powerhouses, and Georgia's going to win it. ESPN's going to wish they had come here for game day. All right. Can't say any more. Right. Go dogs. Go dogs. Should we just drop the mic and end it right there? That was his phone. It just shattered. That's no, a, it's, it's, yeah, no, it's, it's not an iPhone. It's, it's not an iPhone. It doesn't break. That's a Bush Jones phone. <laughs> wow. All right. Well done. That was a good one. I think that was a good one. Yeah, I think one. it was. That was a good one. I mean, we we, we, we stepped up our game up. for a big game. We definitely yeah. stepped up. We stepped yeah. up for a big game. I mean, you know what's going to be fun? 
next week because it's Tennessee and Tony is going to be all over Butch Jones. <laughs> Win, lose, or know. draw this week. I don't week. know. If we lose this week and if yeah. it's – if it's if it's like it was in 08, I'm going to be nice. It will slow our momentum, I think, yeah, that's for sure. I'm key, I'm okay, so what if Georgia dominates Alabama and then Arkansas and Brett just rise up against Tennessee and we're marching in there and they're 2-3 and three next week and we're 5-0? and oh. How much fun are you going to have next week talking about it? Let's, 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 I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> it's like Christmas comes early, right? That's so awesome. <laughs> and as always, thanks so much for listening. We will be back on Monday morning with our post-game recap of the Tide and the Dogs. Fingers crossed that I'm right on my prediction. This podcast can be heard on SoundCloud, the Georgia Sports Blog, and iTunes. If you choose to listen via iTunes, please consider rating, reviewing, and subscribing to our show. We'd appreciate it if you did. If you want to tweet us, our show's handle is at WSLS Podcast. Will's personal handle is at William F. Leach. And that's Leach with an L-E-I-T-C-H. Tony, a.k.a. Tyler Dogden, can be found at, no surprise here, at Tyler Dogden. And that's with a D-A-W-G-D-E-N. And as for me, Scott Duvall, my Twitter handle is at Jawavi Films. <laughs> that's J-A-W-A-V-I Films. So, good luck to your teams this week. Well, unless you're an Alabama fan. Sorry, guys. Have a great day at your respective tailgates. And, as always, we'll see you on campus.